Welcome back to the program. I'm Rabina Ahmed Huck, and this is On Point. Well, before the break, we spoke to a reporter who was in the courtroom when Adnan Syed's conviction was vacated. Uh, that gentleman spent more than 20 years in jail for a crime he did not commit. Uh, new evidence was brought forward uh, that did eventually free him from prison. And also his age played a factor as well, being 17 at the time when this murder did happen in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, for those who have not been following the story, back in 1999, uh, a young woman uh, who was the girlfriend of Adnan Syed was murdered. He was then charged with her murder and convicted through a series of events and then spent the last 23 years uh, in prison for that crime, and now he has been uh, released. He became a, a pop culture, um, something we talked about in pop culture because of Serial, uh, a podcast out of the United States that followed the the entire story of what happened back in 1999. Uh, the The host was able to get to, get to Adnan Syed, speak to him about his account, and go through all the evidence that was gathered at that time. So this has really been something that we've been following because of the podcast and has really garnered a lot of attention for that reason. I wanted to bring in Joseph Newberger. He's a criminal justice attorney with Newberger and Partners, LLP, and he's the co-host of the podcast, Not On Record, to talk about the power of podcasts and also to talk about this case a little bit and the nitty gritty of it, because as a criminal justice attorney, he knows about it better than I do. Welcome to the program, Joseph. Thank you, Rabina. So, Joseph, you were mentioning to me how age also played a big role in Adnan Syed's uh, conviction being vacated. Can you tell me uh, about that bit and how that may not be connected to the to the uh, to the to the actual um, podcast that was made back in 2014 about this case? Yes. So that's a really good point. Thank you for bringing it up, because this gentleman had lost on appeal and did not uh, succeed in having his case reviewed for any type of flaws with his uh, trial or conviction. But because of new legislation in the United States that dealt with individuals that were convicted as a youth, so under 18 years of age, they could apply uh, after a period of time to have their sentence reduced. At that point, a prosecutor who was dealing with the case then took a special interest and looked at the information that was provided through this wonderful podcast, a serial podcast, and other information that was available and started to then have some concerns about the conviction. So ultimately, as a result of that new legislation, a very eager uh, prosecutor with great integrity took a look into it and asked to uh, vacate the, the conviction against Mr. Saeed and that's how we've around we've arrived at this point right now. But it's it's it, it's interesting that it was because of that legislation, not the, not necessarily a review of what would have been a wrongful conviction or flawed evidence, etc. But there are now new two suspects that they're looking at. So it's not like he got off on some technicality. It really is that there was new evidence that was brought forward. They looked at the case more closely and they vacated the conviction. And now they're looking at, which we don't know their identities, these two new suspects. Um, is is that a right way of um, characterizing what's happening right now? R Rubina, you're close. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm close. So, well, so correct me, please. Yeah. So... There were two suspects 
that were known to the police and to the prosecution at the time of the trial, and they were not disclosed to the defense. Now, I can't express it in any other way because I'm on radio. So the, the, the terms that I would use would be bleeped out. But okay. that's a really big no-no. <laughs> that's a bad thing. So non-disclosure at the time of trial of two alternative suspects that had not only proximity, motive, and uh, opportunity not being disclosed to defense is a major, major problem with the prosecution case. And so this prosecutor who dug into the case looked at this and found that that's a major issue. And 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 then will hamper now their analysis of whether they should vacate the, the conviction entirely, because all we have is right. Is he going to get another trial? Mm -hmm. But that was a big problem at the time of the prosecution. That's a real issue. That's 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 just bad. And he's still being monitored. So it's not like he's been uh, told that he is innocent. He's, uh, you know, this this is still something he, he he's he's been sent home, but he's still being monitored. And like you said, that it, they they brought this case up because of this new Maryland law that came into effect. And then that prompted uh, a, a, a review of his case. And as you said, then then these two suspects were revealed and, and, and that's where we are today. Is that, is that right. fair to say? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're correct. So he has not been exonerated. The conviction has been, you know, vacated. It's up to the prosecutors to decide or the attorney general to decide whether they're going to prosecute again or not. There was non-disclosure of two viable alternative suspects at the time, which they did nothing about to disclose or, frankly, properly investigate. And this poor gentleman now is on essentially a very tight house arrest mm -hmm. until the attorney general makes a decision. So hopefully they'll make the right decision. But I think what's very important for this gentleman who maintained his innocence throughout I think what's 23 years of imprisonment, like that's just unfathomable for all of us. 23 years in jail, maintaining your innocence. Is he factually innocent? And that's what he cares about and what we may never know because they may sidestep that in the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, even though this the series of events that happened since last October, since this new law came into effect, is what led to what's happening today, uh, the, the case has garnered a lot of attention because of investigative journalism. And you yourself host a, a podcast, Not On Record. Um, you are, you know, are, are involved with the true crime podcast. Can you tell us the power of these type of podcasts and, and how they are able to bring to light stories that maybe we don't hear about in the news because they don't have the sexy headlines? lines or they're too old to be covered anymore and are the six o'clock newscast god bless you for raising this issue so you know first of all the work that was done by this podcast was extraordinary it was over a one-year investigation by this journalist and she did a wonderful job of investigating it and determining the facts and and, and getting all the issues out in her podcast so this was a really great journalistic review um of of a case and raising very significant issues. So that is something which I have to say is incredibly important when we live in a time, and I'm talking about over the last several decades, where we have to recognize wrongful convictions happen. In the United States, we know statistically, based upon studies, black males 
are overly wrongfully convicted on homicides and other cases. And there are very myopic investigations, which are incredibly flawed. So this was incredible journalism that was channeled through a podcast. So social media and our ability to get this message out and evidence and put focus on a case is so incredibly important. What, what I am fortunate enough to do with Diana Davison in my, my office, who, who is an advocate for the wrongfully convicted, and others is now to look at issues in Canada, not necessarily about wrongful convictions at the moment, but what may happen in the future. This is a trend now that we see uh, that is going to have a very important impact on criminal justice and on how we deal with cases now and going forward. But the work that was done in this particular case was tremendous. And I have to say, this was serious, serious hard work over the course of at least a year, if not more, for this journalist to get to uh, the point of, of, of demonstrating the evidence. And this was a 10-year process. It's not just the podcast itself. This was over a 10-year process to put it all together. So this is very powerful and important uh, uh, information brought forward through social media, through podcasts, which I think now is a great check on the court system and on government. Yeah, and what what this does is, you know, again, highlight uh, the value of investigative journalism. As you are well aware, journalists have been, um, uh, you know, there's been a lot of hate thrown at journalists in the last many few uh, since since basically Donald Trump became prime minister, uh, not prime minister, became president. And there's been Dictator. a lot of hate against the media. And um, this, again, sort of shows the value of journalism, the value of investigative journalism. Um, is Are there any other examples of, of stories that have been uncovered by journalists that you are aware of um, that have helped uh, either bring an innocent person, um, have his conviction or her conviction overturned or bring a story to light that maybe we would not have heard of without that journalist digging? You know, you're, you're, uh, you're buttonholing me right now. I, I'm, you know, there was that, uh, that other series in the United States with the, uh, making a murder or making a murder that one, yeah. but we, we don't have anything that's as credible as this. This was a very credible, well thought out, um, a process. It was case specific. So we don't have that necessarily, but we're starting to get there. We are looking at cases ourselves within our office and, and doing through the podcast, but um, we're getting there. And, and what's, what's really interesting is that we are now at the stage where I think investigative journalists through podcasts and social media will be able to access direct information of these cases and do that. So it's a new era for us now. And if we can make this more robust, we can have the checks necessary to deal with discrimination, wrongful convictions, and other issues. And, and we need to be careful to avoid, you know, sort of the outrage culture, but focus on facts. That's what I think is really important. And that's what this podcast really did. It was, it was really great. It focused on a case specifically and the facts, and we got away from outrage and we got into the facts. So I don't think we've had something as credible as this. That's why it's been so lauded as something which was really re transcendent. But we're yeah. not, you know, we haven't gotten further there yet. And, and I'll say this, in Canada, for example, for our Canadian listeners, thank God we don't have, 
you know, the level of wrongful convictions as, as in other other countries. That is that is very uh, comforting to hear. Um, and I really thank you so much, Joseph, for joining us today on the show um, and for telling us, you know, the power of podcasting and the power of good journalism and how, you know, how it, it is not just about telling the story of the day. It is sometimes leads to what we're seeing now in the States with the non-Sayed's um, conviction being vacated. And we'll have to wait and see what happens next with him because he is still under uh, surveillance. Joseph Newberger, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rabina, and I really commend you for uh, focusing on this. This is a groundbreaking issue, and thank you very much. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Thank you. That's uh, Joseph Newberger. He's criminal justice attorney with Newberger and Partners LLP and co-host of the podcast Not on the Record. I'm Rabina Ahmed-Huck. This is On Point. We'll be back after a quick break. <laughs> 